0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925. The first and finest enameled cast iron cookware, a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T
2: Have you heard? It's party time. Monday, December 3rd is Winter in the Garden, Heritage Radio Network's second annual year-end gala at the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Join HRN staff, hosts, members, and some very talented chefs and bartenders for a delicious evening that will kick off the holiday season and support our end-of-year fundraising drive. The evening will begin with a VIP hour, complete with bubbles and oysters. Then, all of our guests will work their way around two spacious rooms filled with food stations and bars, sampling fare from some of our favorite chefs. Sip on your choice of cocktails, beer, wine, sake, and cider, while bidding on exclusive silent auction items. 2019 is our 10th anniversary, so... Whether you've been a member since Roberta's first opened, or if you just discovered your new favorite food podcast, please consider supporting us with a ticket purchase so we can start the year on solid ground. We'd love to see you at the Garden. So join us on December 3rd. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash gala.
3: Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a new podcast about building food brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces for grocery stores, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space. A product that people buy in stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me, on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast, so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand, because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Maddie Mollis and Sierra Tischgart, co-founders of the new Great Jones Goods. Woot whoop. A kitchen company that launched about a week and a half ago.
4: A little two weeks now.
3: That launched two weeks ago. Um, I'm excited to talk to Sierra and Maddie because more and more people I know are starting businesses with friends. And while that can be great, I think it has its own unique set of challenges. Am I right? Uh huh. They're nodding. Yes, naughty. yes. <laughs> um, and I feel like this could be really helpful for a lot of other founders out there. So I also happen to really love these guys. So welcome. And um, I'm happy you're here.
4: Thank you for having us. My and pleasure. for being one of the first people we told about the idea and supported from
3: day one. Um, well, my pleasure. It's a good idea. Um, so. Uh, I always start these questions out with how, what you wanted to be in fourth grade or what kind of kid you were. And it's funny because some of the branding people wanted to be stand-up comedians <coughs> and you know, some of the more serious people wanted to be engineers. And you know, it kind of, not that branding people aren't serious, but you know, <laughs> like Excel people, you know, there's, a, there's a line that can trace back. So what's fun about this is I think you guys actually knew each other in fourth grade, so I'd like to hear a what you wanted to be, and b, like what you thought of each other when you first met, and how your friendship sort of developed.
4: So Maddie and I met 20 years ago mm-hmm. at Camp Madapanai for girls. <laughs> we were about eight.
3: Did you wear pennies?
5: What, what's a penny? A penny
3: is like a little white, like a little white, I don't know. You didn't wear them, We did evidently. not wear anything. We okay. didn't wear
5: pennies, but we did have camp shirts. Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay.
4: And... My early memories of Maddie was that she was dominating the tennis ladder at camp. Mm-hmm. She was like a high performing, <laughs> successful young camper.
3: Truly, like she, she she was a high performing young camper.
4: She really was. And and so I remember being like, "Ooh, wow." Um and 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 we we weren't initially bunk mates but we got to know each other and then we eventually requested to be bunk mates. And Sierra,
3: when you were 10, what did you envision your life as an adult being like?
4: I was really It's funny when I was 10, I was I first wanted to be a Disney illustrator. Oh. Um, I was I was really into art mm-hmm. and then I got very into journalism and writing, and I loved, loved magazines. Ten might have been a little bit young, but I, I loved seeing how words and photos came together and told a story. Right. Like I definitely, I guess I would say I was definitely interested in, in storytelling in a creative way.
3: Okay, cool. And Maddie, when you met Sierra, what did you, <laughs> what did, was she a high-performing tennis ladder
5: climbing camper star? She was high-performing in her own way. She <laughs> always would ask the counselors to she, go out and buy her magazines. Oh, cute. Um, and I feel like your mom, your parents would always send you magazines and packages. You was always flipping through the pages in different teen magazines. I was, a right. t- I
4: was very much a teeny bomb. Yes. 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 yes.
3: Like, did you hang posters up in your oh, bunk? Oh, yeah. Who was the poster that you hung up? Do you remember like
4: Jonathan Taylor Thomas?
3: I don't even know who that is. (laughs) I'm so much older than you. That's so sad, (laughs) Matt. I love every once in a while Matt in like the engineer booth like looks over at me and like makes a face.
0: laughing at you? Yes, you start (laughs) mocking. You don't know JTT? Come on.
5: Um and okay so and what did you want to be, Maddie? It's kind of funny. you remember me playing tennis because when I was in fourth grade, I wanted to be a professional tennis player. Oh, perfect. Because mainly I didn't want to pick up balls for myself. I wanted someone else to pick up the balls for me after my tennis Uh lesson. So that was what drove me to be a professional tennis player. No, but I I come from an entrepreneurial family, and I think I always probably had a thought. Maybe fourth grade was a little bit young in terms of starting my own business, but... It's funny, I was
3: listening to uh, someone on a podcast the other day and she was saying that she always had these businesses and she just always figured out a way to turn something into business. And I remember when I, I must have been like seven, I started a business with my best friend uh, and we made scratch and sniff stickers. Like Mm -hmm. we would take our stickers and I would buy like vanilla extract, almond extract, peppermint extract and just do a drop. And I think that was actually before... They had smelly stickers, so I feel like I missed I missed a great opportunity. Had I been older, I would have been like on an island somewhere yeah. in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do think that people who feel like there are things there there are people who sort of do have this innate sense that there's something that should exist that doesn't. And I also heard on that same pad- podcast it was Joanne Wilson, and she was saying that the entrepreneur tends to be a risk taker but doesn't even think of it as taking a risk because it's just an idea that needs to exist. So, Because I don't think of you as a risk taker, nor do I think of myself as a risk taker, but you always wanted to make something in the world.
5: Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's interesting when we chat about the origin of Great Jones, Mm -hmm. it never felt like a risk. It felt like something that needed needed to to exist.
3: So tell me about that origin, so the the little the what you read is that you were sitting in your kitchen and you were having this discussion, so tell me what happened
4: yeah i I was working at the time as a restaurant editor for New York magazine, covering the food beat closely and was starting to feel like I had a wonderful problem, which was that I was kind of tired of going running around the city going out to eat at restaurants, but mm-hmm. wanted to translate my excitement for food into my own home kitchen um, and that started with needing to buy new things right. and wanting really nice things. Uh, I think being at the stage of life that we're in where it's no longer the Ikea couch, you want to invest in your health and have things that you will hold on to and cherish.
3: Like grown-up-y things. Grown-up-y
4: things that will also mm-hmm. bring you joy. And I started looking around. I asked I asked our friend Charlotte, who's written a cookbook. I asked friends who were chefs. And I was going around in circles and trying to figure out what I needed If I had the thought of, do I just wait until I'm married? That feels very weird and anti-feminist. And talk about sort of like risks and decisions. Like it was just, once there was like just even the littlest seed of this, it was like, well, obviously I'm going to talk to Maddie. And because she had built her career in startups Mm -hmm. and was one of my most, one of my smartest, most accomplished friends. And there was never like a decision that was like, oh, like, now is the moment I'm going to like present this to Maddie. We're right. going to like hold hands and go to the altar together. It's just like, obviously, if I'm doing this, Maddie's like right. I need to be doing it with her. And like that
3: so that that leads me to a, a sort of a question that will tie into sort of the later part of the discussion, which is when you're building something with a friend, you know, y- you clearly have very different skill sets. Mm-hmm. I think the big trouble tends to come in when you have like two. Super Excel people, you know, or <laughs> yeah. two super creative, like I want to think about this more big picturey, and then you need to hire someone to do that other piece, and then you have two people who started it, and they don't know exactly where they fit. So what were the things how would you sort of say your skill set? like where does your skill set fall? How would you say you you knew that Maddie was the right person to do it? And Maddie, you yeah. know your own skill set, and what what did you feel like you know was the synergy kind of yeah. with Sierra?
4: Yes, I I think my skill set, which is which is also changed as we've been doing this, which yeah. is a wonderful. It thing. evolves. I it's always fun. say like we grow into our power in this and learn things. But yeah. I I found the more creative side, um, whether that's the actual design of the product or or how the brand looks. Right as well as, you know, I think that something we wanted to really accomplish and we felt was different here in the market was, was the communication, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of giving strong education, which I know is something you do through the sauces so well and, and having a point of view and, you know, speaking about cookware and cooking in a, in a really modern, right. exciting way. And, and finding that I think I felt for a long time, like cooking is so overwhelming and and trying to even call myself a cook? Like, right. am I even serious enough to say that? And I think a big part of that for so many people, that insecurity starts with the confusion over what they need and why, right. and making that clearer. And Maddie's skill set, which was like evident from like the, I think one of the earliest things from we did. From her days. star
3: <laughs> campership. Star um, campership,
4: was much was like one of the first things I remember as Maddie was like, okay, like you have this problem, I, I have this problem too. Who else might have it? Like, how can we right. validate this? How right. can we actually ground this into something that's real? I can whiteboard all day, but Maddie is the one who, like, mm-hmm. makes this real and makes this, and, like, right. takes it into, you know, puts real data around this. Right. And and I think validating that idea gave us the confidence
5: to actually go forth.
3: That, so, and it, is that how you kind of yeah. saw it, too?
5: Yeah, I mean, at the very early stages, like, the whole dinner table conversation really did happen like Sierra was like I have this thought and I was working at Zola at the time which was a wedding registry company and seeing how big this market was so like it's it's actually fascinating how we approach a challenge or a win or anything with such a different mindset like
3: that's what makes it so great
5: it's great but she had this idea and I think probably from the beginning, even if we weren't aware of it, you were talking about the aesthetics and the way people were being spoken to by these Cokeware brands. And I was like, well, there's a huge white space and and Mm -hmm. it's a huge market and let's, to your point, like let's see if other people are having this issue. And I think I went home that night and like wrote a survey. And like, so yeah, I would say what I've started to notice and what we've both learned about ourselves is that we do have these very... Parallel skill sets that complement each right. other really well, and I think um, there's a lot of ways that we've supported each other.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I th- you know, uh, when we were in the Chobani incubator, there I, f- I don't know his last name or his title, but Leland, who <laughs> was like a marketing guru, and I think did, I mean, he like created the Spotify brand. He said basically, if you're not building a brand, you're you're making a commodity, and it's interesting because the that soft, that sort of soft skill of like creating the brand story and the brand identity you know, can can get lost when you're too focused on like the data and the numbers 100%. and the market size and the white space. On the other hand, when you're so overly focused on brand, you almost forget to ask consumers what they need. And so, and, and to yeah. check out does this even make sense from a margins perspective or how do we even start making these things get made, you know?
5: Yeah, it's totally and it's like an interesting balance to strike. And I think we we don't even talk about it explicitly, but we strike it every day, which yeah. is how far do we go to differentiate ourselves while also appealing to a mass audience? Right. Because, you know, you have to strike that balance and there's interesting examples that are coming to my mind right now in which in ways we.
3: Yeah, we'll start thinking about them because we're going to get to okay. them in a minute. I'll but bring them up later. after that, so you went home and you made a survey and you looked at the market, which is a fill in the blank billion dollar market. 17 billion dollar market. That's the same as sauce. Oh, wow. We have the same size market. <laughs> What's your household <laughs> penetration? Like 100 percent. 98 percent. Yeah. You know, what? and what do those other 2% do? I don't know. By the way, everyone. (laughs) It's it's Galen. It's my boyfriend. No, this is actually funny. So household (laughs) penetration, I just doesn't sound exactly like what it sounds like. It sounds like, and I am trying to sort of like demystify some of the language. Household penetration, for those of you listening who don't know what it is, it's like what percentage of American households actually buy the thing, whether it's sauce, which is 93%, pots and pans cookware which is 98 percent toilet paper is 98 percent and the big question is who is that two percent they're taking it from the office (laughs) they they don't buy it so on that note we're going to take a little break and when we come back we're going to talk about all things supporting your friend slash partner
1: Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I was introduced to Le Creuset cast iron skillets many years ago in my first restaurant, Muggsy's Chow Chow in the East Village. Le Creuset has the superior heat retention of cast iron, paired with unparalleled performance and the ease of enamel. That means delicious food with easy cleanup. And I love easy cleanup after running my own restaurants in New York for 23 years. Le Creuset original heirloom cookware is backed by a lifetime warranty. Their bold colors and timeless designs allow for an expression of personal style in the kitchen and beyond. Head to lecreuset.com/hrn. That's l-e-c-r-e-u-s-e-t.com to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. Hrn listeners will get twenty percent off the new Le Creuset cookbook with the code Hrn.
3: I am back with Sierra and Maddie from Great Jones Goods, a new kitchen company that launched two weeks ago. Um, So we're going back to sort of the kitchen table conversation, your different skill sets. Then what? You know, how do you go from, and you know, obviously you don't have to give away all your trade secrets, but how do you go from having that conversation and doing a survey and saying, like, I really think this needs to exist? I mean, in my case, we already made the sauces and I knew, you know, I I had I had my group of people, I had hundreds of thousands of students, so I kinda knew. How do you just go and start making a product? And and how did you divide up? Yeah. And how would you advise people if you have if you're starting with a friend, you know, we'll get into sort of some things that you might do differently or or ways that you would protect the relationship, maybe better now knowing what you know nine months later or whatever it is. But how did you sort of divide up? Did you make, did you sort of say, like, here's what I'm doing and here's what you're doing? Or did you do everything at the same time? And how did you figure things out?
4: I think, I think because there was such a natural division of, of things, we didn't spell it out. And we did actually, especially initially, do things very closely together. Um, while I think also realizing and learning what our strengths were, but it wasn't like that was. I don't know how do you? That's an interesting.
5: Yeah, it's it hasn't been until more recently that yes. we've had to sort of like pluck things define. out and put them in yes. each other's camps um, and and define. Yeah, and that's just because.
3: Oh, that's because that's time what is of yeah. the essence,
5: and yes, at the beginning it, it, we were really. I think it was actually a really nice moment where for a couple months we got to. Pretty much make every decision together and when a decision presented itself we would each take it away and go through our own process mm-hmm. of whether it was me you know thinking about it from an analytical data perspective or sierra like sitting with it from a creative perspective right. or asking her trusted creative friends <laughs> um but we really came to every decision together which i think really helped build the foundation for the relationship because we Learned how to trust each other I was just together. going to
4: say that. I think there was, I think the ways in which we did so many things together, but we very, but organically, we really started to get to see, and what we had already, it wasn't like a surprise, that, because we knew, you know, we, right. we knew our career paths, but we got to see each other's strengths and got to trust and give each other some of that space. Like like the name, for example, of the company was something that, as a words person, was right. torturous yes, and trying. And Maddie gave me a lot of trust and confidence and space there um, well after I had, like, blown the deadline on what to name. And, you know, she knew that words was something that, like, right. that that was super meaningful and that like, and, and I think, so I think even naturally looking back and the ways in which we made all these decisions together, but we also gave each other some space in those.
3: That's actually what they say about good marriages. They say that, you know, it's not so much. um, I think that the sort of the, the overarching advice is that there are going to be some decisions that are more important to each different person in the relationship someone might really care where they go on vacation and the other person might just really want to go on vacation. And whoever the idea, whoever the thing is more important to, or it like gives them more visceral response is the person who ultimately should make that final decision. Because if they don't, they don't have, they're like, there's like a little disconnect or like even the slightest bit of resentment. So it, it, It's a good thing. I mean, it does make sense because it is a lot like a marriage, I would imagine. Oh, yes. I remember when you guys went to China and you were visiting something and you were not that happy, Sierra, and you said Maddie was just like enjoying every moment of it. Can you (laughs) (laughs)
4: I remember that. Okay, were you not enjoying it? No, I was. She was. She was. I was. I was was gonna say she was thriving. Like she was that. Thriving camper. That that high, that high performing. (laughs) You know, I think it was. We we took this trip to go visit factories, and we saw a wide range of factories. We ended up feeling so confident in the two that we selected, but Mm -hmm. we saw all kinds of things, and I and it was was long days, very intense. And and in some, ex- some particular experiences, like jarring. And I remember just looking around and thinking, like, I was a writer. And how did this yeah. happen? And there was a bit of an identity shock that somewhat happened over there. Um... And, and where I felt a little bit of like, wow, like, and I think with each day, it got better. and We found these great factories, yeah. but there was a question mark in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember looking over at Maddie, who like had her checklist out and was just like <laughs> thriving and being like, we're accomplishing this. Like, yeah. like, look at, look at how this is actually coming together and getting made. And like, just feeling like so, right. so grateful that where I felt insecurity or stress that like right. she, she derived so much confidence and, and showed so much power.
3: Yeah, I mean, Maddie, it, how have you, I mean, I guess, what what challenged you? I mean, to the extent that like that trip challenged Sierra um, and you were, I mean, I think th- I think that goes back to a good partnership, right? If you were both kind of like walking around like, uh-oh, you know, that wouldn't have been great, but you were able to sort of say like, this is what we're doing, this is why we're here, this is the checklist, yeah. feeling like motivated by getting things done and you were able to sort of, help her, you know, keep her boosted. Yeah. What's an example of something that dragged you down or a challenge?
5: I think, and it's something I continue to struggle with, um, a lot of the creative stuff, Sierra has like taken the full, full reins on and I've deferred to her for almost every final call. And the challenge, you know, we we worked with a team who helped us pull the brand together and sitting in those meetings and not having a strong conviction one way or the other mm-hmm. and
3: and feeling like you should have a strong conviction?
5: Yeah, feeling like I should have a strong conviction or feeling like my natural inclination is to uh, this is going to be like a running joke throughout this but like send a survey and get the mass right. opinion. Right. And had I I sometimes think back had we had we done that the brand would have tor- turned out right. totally differently and the right. warmth and the feeling would have probably been lost because right. we would have geared towards the mean right um but I always was like why can't I just have that that vision right and I I mean now it's it's nice because as our plates have gotten fuller right I just pass everything like Sierra just get like calls the shots and it's I trust that right
3: I mean I think that's great and I think that's you know I think that's that's the growing pain I mean there's a there's a whole rule of thumb in in starting a, a hospitality business at least that you're opening team and your operating team are different teams because what it takes to get something off the ground is very different than what it takes to actually run it. And you guys are just fortunate or prescient or just smart that you chose an opening team who could also function as an operating team. And I think a lot of co-founders don't do that because two people are sitting in their dorm room and they have a great idea together. One of them doesn't have Data and analysis and Excel skills and one of them, you know, and they don't know how to break those things up, you know.
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I look back at those meetings and I'm, and I something I have had to get a lot more comfortable with is making decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe that's like a typical creative trope, but like I can, you know, I yeah, you can see a lot of. And I always felt like you, you made me more focused and like did have really like. I don't know if it's like the voice of reason is the right word, but like, like, like when I remember looking to you for a lot of those, just like, let's make this final call. Yeah. And, right. and bringing that over the finish line.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad that you're letting go. I do think that, I mean, what you said was really interesting. And I really appreciate the honesty because there are some things where you feel like you should have an opinion and you just don't. And yeah. then you're like, is there something I don't know? Is there something I'm not doing right? Am I. Why am I in the room? All of those questions start happening, but it's you can't have an opinion about everything when right. you're running a frickin' company, right? You and just can't.
5: A, yeah, I mean, it's like turned into a blessing that there is someone who I sit across from every day, who I've been working, we've been working on this since it, before it was a thing, that I fully trust yes. to have those opinions on behalf of the business. It's not even on just behalf of me.
3: So, um, what have you guys done? I mean, would you for people out there? who are starting with a friend, are there guardrails that you establish? Are there words of wisdom that you would give them? Are there things that you've done specifically to protect not only the business relationship, but the friendship?
4: I think to start, um, I think something that we both felt was that we had stayed friends for 20 years, but we really respected each other professionally. And, And those were separate things. Those were like very, very separate things. um, And I think that was really important going into this. Uh, In terms of some guardrails and some practices, um, creating structure around that. We started early on at the advice of some other entrepreneurs seeing a CEO coach. Um, We very much both believe in the power of talk therapy and having like a dedicated space Mm -hmm. to go and to process our own feelings during a time of rapid change to make sure that our communication was as strong as possible, to make sure we handled disagreements right. um, in effective ways. I think that's been really helpful. Um, and to continue, and to also not, while that was a wonderful resource and something we a privilege to have, to also make sure we take that time, we do this every week now, also just us.
3: Just the two of you. That we yeah. are also
4: equipped and, and can learn from that. It's probably like any somewhat of like, um therapy in that way where like you wanna you wanna bring it home and yeah. and make sure and also I think doing that while things are and were strong and good predominantly. And Do you do that
3: at the beginning of the week or at the end of the week? The beginning of the week, right? Monday morning. Monday morning. And first we have, thing
5: we have a structure around it too. Yeah, tell me about that. It's evolved, but the <laughs> the concept which I think is great and I think lends itself to your question about being friends first and, and business partners now, um, we block off some space and some time to talk about our personal lives, mm-hmm. which, like, both of us are have a whole life outside of Great Jones, right. <laughs> surprising or not, And it's and we know each other's families and we know each other's friends, and it's really nice to block off dedicated time to talk about that. Um, so that's generally how we start off. It's Monday morning. So we'll ask how each other's weekends were and all that.
3: Do you communicate? Are you both? So did you ever do the like expressive, amiable driver that test? No, it's a fun one. It Google it. It's, um, it's basically there for it's, it's not your personality. It's your work style. Um, my guess is that you guys are different. I'm just throwing it out there (laughs) yeah we've um yes (laughs) so i mean for instance like i am an expressive shocker um but i work with a lot of analytics and when you are an expressive and you work with an analytic and you tend to be like hi how are you what's going on the analytic tends to be like like a little like "Mm -mm, please stop you know i'm just like i'm fine everything's good i would really like to just get back to what i'm doing is that resonating with you guys at all because you're looking knowingly at each other but we're also on the radio so no one can
5: see your face yes yeah yeah yes yes and I think like as we've built out a team we've learned that different it's not just the two of us no it's it's in a small office and how do we it's very
3: good I mean the reason why it's a good thing to do is also not just because I learned Because it's not so much when everything is good, how your work style kind of manifests. It's when you're under stress. Yeah, for sure. So I get I get more emotive and I get more sort of like I, I think I'm picking up on a vibe from you, but I don't know what the vibe is. So is there something wrong? Can you tell me what the vibe is? And I get more like that. And knowing that for myself means that I can do less of it. Yeah. Um. So you carve out time to talk about your personal and then do you talk about the week ahead do you talk about you know what's going on what's on each of your plates you update each other that kind of thing
5: yes yes we talk about what's going on in the upcoming week we reflect a little bit on last week if there were any topics that we need to review and we always spend and more recently especially because we've gotten so busy we spend time just talking about high level stuff whether it's like what are the big things we need to focus on next month or holidays coming up and how do we approach that? So yes, yes, we talk about it all.
3: Got it. And then do you have also then team meetings with the rest of your team? And tell me about now you have a team. Yes. I mean, it was yes. just two of you. And now how many? We have
4: three you? employees.
3: Great. Who, five of us. I feel like I only knew about two. So <laughs> there's one in like uh, an employee every other minute. So who, how are you structured now? What's the organization chart looking like?
5: So we it's the two of us, and we our first hire was a social media manager. Her name's Emily. She's amazing. Yes, I've met her. And she's awesome. Yeah, she's great. She does all of our social um, and a lot of creative work really closely with Sierra. Um, our second hire was a woman named Gabby who handles all of our customer experience. So now that we're out in the world selling, there's a lot of questions coming in. Great. Yeah, she's amazing as well. Um, and our third hire is a woman named Gina who comes from a really deep, Operations background. Mm-hmm. And we all work really closely together, but Gina and I work really closely right. on just setting up. Because that's more your wheelhouse. Yep. Right. Setting up the operations, making sure the warehouse is right. communicating so it's like real with supply chain exactly. stuff. Exactly. exactly. And yeah, it's five of us in a small room right now. It's very up close and personal, but it's a lot of fun. It's so having a team has like changed the game. I mean, yeah. we've really focused on bringing people on who round out our skill sets, and right. it's been invaluable
3: it also forces you guys a little bit um to not get your shit together but kind of get your shit together yeah. you know like you can't because it's almost like you can't you yeah. can't bicker in front of the team you <laughs> yeah. can't you know yeah. all that stuff like and that's hard i mean it, yeah it's
5: we can't hard. just text about every single thing right. we have yes. to figure out our communication yeah we, we also
4: talk about you know like like we're we're two week old startup, and things are going well, um but there's you know it's somewhat of a roller coaster in us and us pre- one presenting that front, but also really internalizing it and being calm and united there, yeah and and yeah. when and when, and also being quite transparent and right. I think something that Maddie and I talked about even even before that we decided to start this company and have this idea was was the kind of manager's. That we responded to and and the ways in which um we want to empower our employees to really to really grow into these roles right. um and and to be along this journey with us
3: yeah yeah i mean i think you know it's funny because so much of it it's so crazy isn't it how it goes from an idea to all of a sudden now you're managing a team i mean yes. and 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 they're all different skill sets, operations and supply chain is a different skill set than management and creative and brand is a different skill set than management and people don't realize they really have to learn how to manage other people and part of that is learning how you are. It goes back to like knowing yourself, knowing how you get under stress, knowing how you get when someone isn't hearing you or you're having a hard time hearing them. So what mistakes did you guys make early on that you want to prevent other people from making? What would you say you would like to rewind the tape and try differently? Unless you did everything perfectly. We
4: certainly did everything perfectly. But there are things I think something we're both proud that took a lot of work Mm -hmm. um, was aligning on what our company culture and our rules were. Um, that was something that we had had very, very different experiences. Okay, so talk a little bit about that. I had had, like, your classic cubicle bad office experience, and I had actually mostly started working from home for the past few years as a writer, and hadn't been in office in years. And when I had, I associated it with like a strong lack of creativity and sort of like a soul sucking place. Right. Um, with a lot of unnecessary rules that didn't feel productive. Um, so I had somewhat of a like, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure how to go about creating a positive office culture. And, but that still was, had very clear
5: rules and structure because you do need to create that for employees. Right.
3: And then Maddie, what was your...
5: And I had come off of companies like Warby Parker and Zola too, but Warby in particular that had this amazing company culture and was sort of like at the beginning of all these startups with ping pong tables and happy hours. And it was like your work friends were your best friends. And so I had... That stuff is separate, but I had a very strong opinion on how you know weekly meetings, weekly team meetings, everybody shows up in the morning and stays till the night. And Mm -hmm. I had a strong opinion on how I thought a successful business was run to be, you know, fun and warm, but also productive.
3: Right. So can you, I mean, are there more? Like everyone shows up. That's a good point.
5: <laughs> yep. People come in and, in the morning right. and, and yeah. with a team doing customer, customer service, that starts at 9 a.m. and, you know, everybody shows up around that time for equity's sake, to be fair. And um, managers should have one-on-ones with their employees every week Mm -hmm. for an hour
3: interesting and the team
5: should have an all-hands meeting every week and maybe at that all-hands meeting there's like a snack or yeah (laughs) bagels or whatever right i don't
3: have a one-on-one every week it's i try but it's hard hard. because the wheels are going on the bus yeah so you end up having and and they are the thing that gets like pushed and it's i notice when they don't happen yeah it's important
5: And 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 what else? Policies around working from home. And mm-hmm. I mean, these were all things that we talked through. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we provide creative space and, and freedom for ourselves and our employees, but also not let that turn into chaos right. and different teams have different expectations? Right. Like,
3: and if it's not clear ahead of time, it's never easy to define later. Yeah. It all has to it's all the stuff has to be like planned out. You and know? that was the
5: advice we had gotten, yeah. which was you might as well be a little more stringent to start and mm-hmm. loosen up the reins across the board as everybody felt more comfortable with each other. But um, what else? Like even in company perks and and
4: yeah i think also how to make you know maddie had these positive experiences which we were so i was like so grateful to have and hear about but was also like okay well what is what is our version of this and and how do we create something that feels special and unique to us and our ideas and the kind of culture that we want to create um not to bring gender into this but especially being two women who are doing this and the ways in which we want to make our employees feel autonomous and valued um and and that you know what things are in writing, what things aren't. Right. Um,
3: Interesting. Yeah. So Sierra, I want to go back to something you said earlier on, because you said that you started off with a group of skills and they've emerged, like they've sort of shifted or some have emerged or some things that maybe you didn't think you were strong at at the beginning have come out. So what, what has happened?
4: One thing in particular that, that emerged was, was negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, a tricky contract presented to us early on that we both suspected was tricky taking advantage of Mm -hmm. us or tricky. And I think that we, um, I think figuring that was like a really early win. Um, and something that, create a lot of confidence and like the ability to, right. to strongly negotiate that and take a stance. Um, and that was something that I hadn't hadn't quite done before. I kind of negotiated salaries, right. but I felt I felt quite confident doing it, and felt really good about the outcome.
3: That's awesome. Maddie, have you had something where you're like, oh, it turns out I love to draw?
5: <laughs> <laughs> I like to color within the lines, if that yeah. says anything about my personality. Yeah, I mean, I would have guessed that. But. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm probably most – proud of myself which it'll ebb and flow but I'm a process person and I like to make lists and I like to know exactly what my week's gonna look like and that's just not reality when you're starting a business and I think we've both veered probably towards each other a little bit Sierra and I in terms of
3: you've loosened up and she's tightened up a little bit
5: maybe a little bit um but like I can't control everything that's gonna happen and especially post-launch when our product is out in the world and customers are doing what they want with it. Um, I've had to get more comfortable with and confident with the fact that we'll, we'll handle things as they come up and it's all going to be okay.
3: Yeah. And what have you learned about Sierra? And Sierra, you have a couple seconds to think about what you've learned about Maddie.
5: So much. Oh. I mean, as, as we said, I think both of us recognized the power in each other starting a business together, but I... I mean, I think the obvious stuff is how much of an eye sh- and a voice she has that's, like, totally built this brand. Mm-hmm. I think maybe what's less obvious is Sierra's goes for what she wants, and it's really inspired me to do the same, whether it's, like, reaching out to someone maybe she didn't know before but right. she wants right. to work with or, um, yeah, that's negotiating in, right. a, in a tougher way than maybe we were both right. comfortable doing, but I – have taken a a cue from that strongly. I think
3: that's awesome because sometimes the creative, at least this has been my experience, that the creative skills are a little not as valued in some way or because they're not as measurable, they tend to be considered a little bit like lighter and fluffier. Um, And so it's kind of neat hearing that like some of your like Harder, less light, less fluffier, even though I don't see them as light and fluffy. Cause I, I believe in brand so vehemently. Like if it's not a brand, it's a commodity. Right. But I think that's, that's really cool. And Sierra, what have you learned about Maddie?
4: I think s- something that what that that's really impressed me is like her ability to, to, for conflict resolution.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: there have been moments of course, in this in which things are tense or, or or our relationship isn't there's 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 a there's a tiny bump and like Maddie always pulls me aside and is like, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. While I think something that I've explored is like I've s i have a tendency to be like, I don't wanna rock the boat or like we yeah. just have so much to do and like I think there's there there have been specific moments where I feel like she really led the charge and us like quickly and like really strongly resolving, you know, conflicts that have come up and really speaking up even about the small things that that can arise as we're both moving at and 100 by the way, miles per hour. Yeah, and, and
3: those small things turn into big of things. Of course, yeah. and
4: and flagging those and being clear and communicating directly with me about them so that it doesn't build up over right. time. And that's been something that I think has been very, very valuable to our relationship and to the business. That's
2: awesome.
3: Maddie, go back a little bit, because remember I said we were going to come back to that because you were like, I can think of all these different Examples of when bumps kind of came in the road and, and we f- supported each other and figured things out. Can you elaborate a little bit?
5: Yes. The The examples I were thinking of were less bumps, but more just like hard decisions. And maybe those right. are one and the same. No. Yeah. Um, one that comes to mind is choosing the colors of our Dutch oven. <laughs> I feel um, like I was
3: involved in that. You definitely were.
5: Point. I think everybody we know <laughs> was around <involved laughs> at some point. Matt
3: definitely chose the raspberry. <laughs> I remember. I just kidding.
5: Um, <laughs> but I think what I, our frameworks of of thinking about things came together at that moment. And it was like, we didn't know what to do, we didn't know which colors to choose. Sierra had strong opinions on the brand colors, which have resulted in a beautiful thing. And we were like, do we add a neutral in here? Do Mm -hmm. we not? And we just asked a bunch of people and, like, kind of surveyed the crowd, which, as I've said, is, like, sort of my Mm -hmm. way of making decisions that I don't know how to answer on my own. And it turns out that the neutral color is selling as the top two seller. Right. Um, I'm trying to think what else... I think, I mean, does that make sense. Yeah,
3: no, it totally makes sense. It's it. The idea of being able to come to a problem or otherwise known as a challenge from more than one perspective, if you can embrace that and you can just hold on to that, then you've got everything. I think the issue is when there isn't what you guys were talking about, which is that like fundamental trust that if it's not your decision or if you let the other person make the decision that something's going to go horribly wrong. Yeah. And I guess the thing is, is it seems like what the gist of what you're saying is going into this partnership with a friend. If you are building something with a friend, get this stuff settled before you start making a product.
5: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Because well, you do. don't know what's going to come up. You don't yeah. know. I mean, we.
3: So what are some of the things that like you should settle like you should know.
5: I think you should definitely talk about how you want to capitalize your business. Mm-hmm. If you're raising money from friends, family or strangers, that's like a huge. Burden isn't the right word, but it's responsibility. A, It's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, I don't even think we had explicit conversations, but probably throughout the fundraising process, we started to and we worked through a lot in that moment.
3: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about fundraising to sure. young women? I read this article this weekend that um, funders ask women what they call prevention questions Mm -hmm. two times as often as they ask what they call promotion questions as like in terms of how are you not going to mess up Hmm. versus how are you going to be awesome essentially. And they ask male founders the exact opposite, promotion questions two to one to prevention questions. So did you guys find that there was a lot of well, there's a lot of other, you know, cookware companies out there, ladies, and there's a lot of other people selling to millennials. Like what yeah. what did you yeah. find and how did you deal with it? And how did you guys support each other through it? And was it, you know, what, what was that process like? And did you, were you happy there was someone next to you in the room?
4: Oh yeah. Yes. And that was the number one question that we got. And it's interesting, you know, going through the fundraising process, I think each time we pitched the beautiful thing that happened as frustrating as that process can be. And we even, you know, we were very successful at that and still had its frustrations was that the conviction in that we were going to do this differently than anyone else and and have it like that confidence i i felt so, so clearly with yep. each pitch that we did um and and as our ideas started to develop that yes we we didn't invent the idea of of cookware, you know right. like like we didn't invent the idea of starting a brand online but that but that our ideas and our skill set were really unique here. And I think one of the first things we said when we decided to first do this was like, Okay, someone's gonna do this, and actually probably several people to some degree, but like we're going to like, who better than us right. and and really that no one's going to do it the way that which we do it. And I real I really believed that right. as as everything started to take shape.
3: And so when you would get a prevention question, you would just turn it into a promotion opportunity. Yes, very much. And yeah. say, I
4: mean, started, especially when, you know, we fundraised twice, the friends and family round, people were betting on us as individuals right. more than they were. They're any- not
3: asking about your pro forma or your five years or yes. your margins or anything like and, that. And we
4: got yeah. to say, like, look, like, I'm strong, Maddie's strong, but, like, together, right. together like, we're unstoppable. And, and then in the, yeah. in the
3: seed round... Was it much more the financials and and the market and you know the margins on the products and it was how you see it becoming was profitable?
5: But we were still selling a vision because we weren't out in the world and right. to be honest, most of the fundraising process we didn't even have our Instagram live. Like a lot has taken shape to the public. It was all hap- happening behind the scenes, but a lot of hadn't been right. exposed publicly. So it was really just a deck and right. our story and. So yes, we did get more questions about margins and and order value and how do we continue to increase lifetime value for customers and all of the sort of like nitty gritty numbers questions that actually drive growth and drive the business. But it was still a lot of sort of poking holes and making sure that we crossed our T's and dotted our I's.
3: I think that's awesome. What have you learned now that you wish you had known at the beginning? What do you wish you had known going into this either about yourself, about the business, about fundraising? I mean, there are so many things that I could answer that I wish I had known, you know, like it's actually important to make money that I didn't (laughs) know (laughs) at the beginning. We like when you talk about like, it's important to have the discussion about how to capitalize. I genuinely believed when I opened Haven's kitchen that if as long as it just made a little every year, it was fine. But That's actually not accurate at all. It needs to make more than a little every year. Like, because it doesn't work otherwise. Like, anything... I mean, that's a big one, but...
5: I mean, we've had a really... We've obviously had bumps, but... I don't think... I can't think of a moment where I'm like, oh, I wish I had known this before. Because we've learned so much. So we've had a pretty smooth process um, so far. I think there will certainly be moments in the future where we're like, why didn't we choose why didn't we push for our margins in this way versus this way? Um, I think maybe it's more personal, but I wish I had gotten more comfortable with delegation and lack of control.
3: Yeah. I think that's actually a huge thing. I mean, that's just as important. Yeah. Right.
5: I mean, I'm learning it in the moment and that's all great. And, and I actually like personally learn much more by doing than by like reading or sitting in a classroom. Right. But, um, Yeah, the control thing. I want to be involved in everything, and I want to know what's going on in every part of the business, and it's just not reality anymore. So maybe if having more practice there would have been nice. What about you, Sierra? I
4: think the the somewhat the hardest time for me personally in the business was this like April May. um, We were saying we wanted to launch before the end of the year for holiday. Um, we were working really hard to make that a reality, but it wasn't exactly within arm's reach. Like we couldn't mm-hmm. really see the light there, and and I think you know there was something really motivating to us about wanting to make this holiday. You know, we wanting to make holiday. I think people look at this and say, "Oh, you pulled this together quite quickly?" Even though to us it felt like also a quite a long year, right? Um, but I think having that confidence that that ever like i just remember then feeling like is this going to happen right. like f- just feeling a lot of insecurity especially in that time period
3: so uh, what yeah i mean so what you're saying basically to people as they're founding things is have faith
4: yes have faith yeah. yes also i'm, sorry, I'm not a very religious person but i think that was part of it no. and having like um having and i think i i felt somewhat for a while, like, I'm nervous or, like, super vulnerable to talk about it. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, like, is this actually going to happen? Right. Um, when every sign, when I look back, points to, like, obviously this is going to happen. Yeah. And Like, we were making so many, we were making so much progress, e- even when things even felt like they were to standstill. still. We spent, yep. you know, weeks looking at factories. Like, that wasn't happening. And just because it wasn't maybe moving in double time. I function best when there's, like, a million things moving at... Hundred miles per hour, like all at once. Right. Like I get a lot of energy off of that, and that wasn't, and that's kind of how the business is now, which is great, and I feel great. But there were moments that were, that needed to be slower, right. and that, and while we were figuring things out, I think now that I'm sort of fully thinking about this, I think like being comfortable, taking a moment right. to have things. To take yeah. a breath. There's so much pressure in startups to just be moving fast all the time, and when you feel like if it's not, or there's a week or a month that you're not, that or you're a like,
3: lawyer doesn't write back to you yes. in that hour, that yeah. you're like, like failing. I, I, exactly. Like, are they ever? Or like, is write this ever going to
4: happen? Because <laughs> like, yeah. not everything's. I can't. Like, there's yes. not necessarily like week to week. There's not a million yeah. things changing, and there have been moments like that. And there were moments I look back and I'm like, yeah, yeah we took a lot of time to pick the name. We put there, there was a real right. privilege and like beauty in us having some quiet time to. To build this as well.
3: I think one of the things that I try to do when I get that way, because I do have this like ongoing list in the back of my notebook that's like thing, balls that are in the air. And, and, and I, for a long time, didn't write them because they stressed me out so much. And now I write them down. And like when a ball comes down and it lands, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so funny that I considered that a ball because there's this ball right, now and right. there. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, when, you're, when you have that kind of creative drive, you realize all of these things take a long time. Every single thing takes a long time. And the key seems to be just getting like 30,000 feet up in the air and looking down and saying like, is it moving forward? Is it moving up? Yeah, that's Like, cause it's never gonna feel like it's moving forward and moving up. But if you get up high enough and you see like, well, where was I a month ago? And, 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 and you look, you know, you just gotta get a little perspective. All right, we talked a lot in the hour about the issues that you had and the ways that you tried to prevent them, so I don't want to only ask prevention questions, but I do feel like this is the best way for people to hear how not to make mistakes. So I do want to hear like, from each of you the most fun you've had, the moment. I know there's been a lot of fun moments. I'm sure that like every little day has a fun moment, but has there been like a, like, huh, That was frickin' awesome moment. Launch day, easily. Launch day. I
5: mean, I I was, like, on a weird, jittery high, I think. And it was, like, so exciting, but also, like, oh, my God, this is real. Like, and Sierra can vouch. I... Have my Google Analytics up, like <laughs> looking at, at the live real time people on the site and like watching yeah. that number climb and watching sales come in and just and, oh my and gosh. see. Oh, you know what? Actually, very specific moment. We actually pushed our site live like 12 hours before launch day, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, it was Wednesday night. And so our site was live. We were clicking around, testing things, and we saw an order come in from a stranger. And that was like right. surreal. Right. Like,
2: yeah, like,
0: Whoa. it wasn't, it it wasn't, wasn't one of our moms, moms
5: right? <laughs> <laughs> our moms came quickly after <laughs> yeah. No, but that, yeah, the whole launch experience, like, we have had real. our heads down working, putting these pieces together, and, yeah, that was just surreal. There were
4: two to me. One was shortly after launch. Um, so I, I was a journalist for so many years, and, like, I being on the other side of press was very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up in both the New York Times and Wall Street Journal print in the same weekend. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Um, which was really thrilling to see. Like, I sp- I mean, I spent my life like reading newspapers yeah. and magazines and be like holding it um, was, was, was really cool and special. And like a very strange moment because it was, you know, I'd always dreamt about being in those publications but in a very, very different right. way. And it was just, not how I expected my life to go, but I, fe- I had so much, like, gratitude it's yeah. such a cheesy word. But I had just, like, I was like, wow, like, I, I, I didn't expect this, and it's wonderful to see our pot in the times. Yeah. Like, who would have <laughs> ever thought I would say that sentence? Yeah. Um, and that felt great. Um, we also put together a big brand photo shoot that was, was a big undertaking. Anyone who puts together photo shoots for a living, I, know. I, have, I have a lot of admiration for. Me we had... Too. We had all these real life, um, pe- like real life relationships depicted in the shoot. We had we had a family. We had a, a, a young woman and her grandmother. Right. And seeing that on the set and seeing, I think, you know, they were obviously there to take a picture, but also like that food. To me, that's what it's about. That's right. what cooking is about. Um, or even you know, we had two we had two women who were cooking al- alone, which is right. something that I've done. And like just seeing that come to life and getting to prop style that and Mm -hmm. seeing that like the joy in those relationships. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not articulating it very well, but that was a a, very special
3: moment. That's awesome. Well, guys, you have a beautiful, beautiful product and I'm sure you're going to make many, many beautiful more and a beautiful friendship and a great partnership. So I'm wishing you all the best in the whole world. Um, It's great. Jones. goods. No goods. No, just great. Jones. (laughs) Dot com. No, no, no. No, no 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 no! Now you've got the great, great Jones Goods. Great Jones Dot com. com. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's try that again. And if you want to follow them on Instagram, it's at Great Jones. Jones. Full stop. Full stop. Um. And Matt, we're,
4: we're working on that URL.
3: Thank <laughs> you, uh, continually, for being not only a great engineer but also I don't know maybe like a good sidekick, like the Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson. All right. We'll see you next time on In the Sauce. (laughs)
4: Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization, driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Wanna be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please,